Welcome back to Season 2 of That's So Second Millennium, the Catholic Science Podcast, where we look forward to the new synthesis in the new millennium between faith, philosophy, and science. This is Episode 87 of That's So Second Millennium. This week, I have to apologize, we have taken the route of doing our first uh, Greatest Hits episode. This is, a, this is, in fact, a rerun. This is a rerun of one of our very first interviews, uh, Bill got uh, an interview with Father Bob Spitzer as he was uh, doing some radio work and uh, had the chance to talk to Father Spitzer way back in, well, sometime in 2018. It would have been, oh, you know, probably about two-thirds of the way, probably August or September. I don't remember exactly. Uh, we're doing this this week because I have been deathly, deathly ill. Um, went to visit my brother uh, for his birthday and uh, saw his family and just got ludicrously sick yesterday so uh so blew away our ability to record a new episode for this week um this is a really good one and uh this, the packaging is a little bit more professional this time around so it's a small chance for me to see that in fact i think we've made some progress since early early in the podcast this is hopefully being delivered in a little bit more natural tone of voice than i gave the previous intro uh, so yeah, I'm grateful to have the chance to re-record that and uh, repackage because uh, because Father Bob Spitzer is he's he's an interesting guy. You know, you don't have to agree with everything he has to say to think that he is a fascinating guy and and provocative, jabbing you in important places where you probably ought to be jabbed and consider whether uh, things are quite so cut and dried in the direction that you think that they're cut and dried. So with that, we'll go back to uh, Bill and Father Spitzer, and this is actually an opportunity before in the last few seconds here of thanking all of the people who've given us interviews since then, because a lot of amazing people have uh, talked to the two of us on this little podcast and we hope that it's worth something to you. So with that back to Bill and father Spitzer. Well, we welcome father Robert Spitzer to the interview here for our podcast. And you, I bet a lot of our listeners are fans of Father Spitzer's Universe on the EWTN TV network. And in that program, Father Spitzer certainly uh, explores a lot of the territory that our podcast explores, that intersection not only between faith and reason, but science and religion. And uh, Father might not know too much about our podcast, but we uh, we represent uh, two lay people, I and my co-host Paul Giesting, we represent simply uh, two lay people who, you know, have always uh, loved both faith and reason and seen it as essential to evangelization that the church can can bring to improve uh, the, the world, the, the human community. And we're curious about what uh, next steps might lie ahead for that process. And Father, you're uh, just very much on top of that. You're helping to lead the way. We'll talk about a new website with which you're helping to lead the way. But if I may, first of all, welcome very much, uh, a very hearty welcome to our podcast. It's an honor to have you. And second, the, this, uh, the whole idea of the intersection of faith and reason, uh, integrating science and religion. It seems that it's of growing interest in many circles uh, from uh, the education of high school uh, students, uh, education of high school teachers who then pass along that wisdom to uh, students, uh, plus, uh, you know, the evangelization and youth ministry communities who realize that uh, we're losing all too many students 
uh, or we're losing a lot of the faith um, uh, motivation of, of students uh, by dint of their uh, strong cultural exposure to uh, scientific rationalism. Uh, and, and then, of course, just the church at large is, is pursuing this uh, more and more energetically with help of organizations like your own Magis Institute. Uh, am I right uh, that, that this trend in uh, exploring that intersection is growing and uh, it, taking uh, perhaps uh, new paths that could be uh, uh, both signs of the urgency of the matter and also the hope for the future? Uh, absolutely, um, Bill. The, there's a couple of different things going on. Um, but uh, the last Pew survey, which was 2016, <clears throat> showed that about 41% of our young people who are currently going to church will eventually wind up being unbelievers. So we're not talking about just leaving the church here or being bored by homilies or something like that. Mm -hmm. We're talking about people leaving faith altogether, becoming agnostic, uh, atheistic, some of them, etc. Mm -hmm. Now, some of them, you know, just remain in a sort of agnostic apathy, but nevertheless, they, they become de facto unbelievers or what the Pew survey calls nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Right. And so, uh, and that, that is really something different, uh, than we've seen in the past. A, a lot of the times we've, we've seen in, in the last two generations, a lot of people have left the Catholic Church to join a, an evangelical church, or they've left the, the Catholic Church and then rejoined the Catholic Church after, you know, a certain amount of time when they got through their teenage years, etc. This is very different. Uh, this, this is, uh, uh, people leaving not only the church, but religion, faith in God, God, leaving behind God. Yeah. And so this is a, a matter of real, real concern. Uh, the, the second thing is, yes, it has been accelerating. And the faith and science problem that you talked about, uh, the Pew survey in 2016 also had a follow-up survey, um, asking these younger people, well, why did you leave the faith or why are you uh, thinking uh, seriously about leaving uh, faith altogether? And 50% of them, well, actually 49.2 or whatever it was, mm -hmm. uh, percent of them indicated that it was because of faith and science in particular. Uh, not just faith and reason, though a lot of people did have faith and reason questions as well, but faith and science was right at the hub Excellent. of why so many people were leaving. So yes, it's urgent. Uh, there's a misperception that there's a contradiction between faith and science when there really isn't. There's a, just a huge amount of evidence in favor of belief in God from a scientific perspective, and that's what we're trying to alleviate. Yes, yeah. And do you think that this what this kind of uh, gap was uh, percolating for a long time and simply was not being addressed in uh, Catholic schools uh, around the country and perhaps in in parishes, etc.? Or is there something in in very recent years that accelerated it all the more? Uh, that I was I wonder if uh, such an understanding would help us to find a cure. Well, the answer is yes, it's both. Okay. Uh, in, in other words, yes, 
it had been percolating for a long time. Um, but I think with the new atheism <clears throat> coming out in the digital um, platform uh, area, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, websites, etc., <clears throat> the internet, um, the, the fact is um, there is a real push uh, toward atheism in that uh, arena and um, just a lot of websites devoted to, uh, you know, various dimensions of unbelief. And that strangely has accelerated some of the problems in the schools. Uh, and even now, even within some of our Catholic schools, we have, you know, teachers who almost, uh, you know, science teachers maybe who profess agnosticism, not so much in the Catholic schools, but indefinitely in the public schools. Yeah. It starts in the high school and definitely in college. A lot of the kids will lose their faith. They have no answers. They have no uh, uh, evidence that contravenes what uh, people are saying. You know, just th these are hip shoot statements, but yeah. they have no evidence to respond to them, and, and it's a real problem. Yes. And it's ironic, too, isn't it, that uh, that the new atheism to which they're responding, or at least certain uh, books and certain authors reflecting the new atheism, um, they're actually presenting these young people and all people with uh, a kind of atheism and a kind of uh, reasoning or approach to reality that's actually uh, even shallower and more misleading than older forms of atheism. Is that is that right? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, the arguments upon which the atheism is premised is they're really pretty facile. But uh, you know, the the point is they can be easily responded to, ah. easily redressed, and that's what we're trying to do uh, with CredibleCatholic.com. Ah. I mean, we're trying to get it in every confirmation program, every high school that we can. And we're currently operating in 78 archdioceses wow. and dioceses throughout the nation. Right now, our trainers are helping to deploy, uh, you know, the, the um, curriculum in those dioceses. And we fly over free of charge. Everything is free. That's great. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I've seen I've seen some of the uh, the video and um, uh, kind of the. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's verbal, uh, presentations that really clarify point by point everything that's, that's being discussed. It seems very user friendly and learning friendly. That's right. I mean, uh, basically, um, um, we, uh, right now we're in 40% of the archdioceses and dioceses in the U.S. Wow. Um, obviously we want to be in 100%, and we'd like to be in full deployment. Full deployment means, uh, in every confirmation class, catechetical class in high school that we can get it into, uh, realistically. Um, we have a program for seventh, uh, through ninth grade, and we have another program for 10th grade and above. And, um, you know, some people actually use the seventh through ninth grade one for their 10th and 11th grade class is fine with us. You really? know, anyway, people want to use it. The material is there. It's highly graphic. And what it is, they're, they're voiceover PowerPoints. Right. So, uh, and, so you just, uh, all a teacher has to do is just download these seven essential modules um, to his or her a computer or laptop, right? right? So you download it to your laptop. That's free of charge. All the 
you know, you just get on our website, CredibleCatholic.com, click on Seven Essential Modules, and then you can just download them right onto your computer. And all you need to do is hit the space bar, and um, the, the PowerPoint will start. The PowerPoints are read to you. I see. So, you know, you've got, um, in the 10th grade and above version, you have some print you know, that's that's there, and some graphics and some embedded videos. Neat. Whereas the 7th to ninth grade one, it's very graphical, and everything is, is, is auditory, you know, so you hear it, but you're not reading it on, on, the, on the screen as well. But the point is, you don't have to do anything. Uh, you've got two nice, pleasant people reading these, you know, the material and talking about science and the Shroud of Turin or the latest scientific evidence for an intelligent creator or near-death experiences and terminal lucidity and the evidence for a transphysical soul right. or, you know, 20th and 21st century miracles and, uh, you know, that have been scientifically validated, etc. And so all these things are there, which just offers this huge body of evidence. Yeah. You hit the space bar, it'll stop at every page, so each each of the presentations is about, uh, you know, you think, well, 50 PowerPoint pages, that's a lot of pages. It, a PowerPoint page is not a lot of material, believe me. Right. So, you know, it, it just hits it, uh, it reads that page, you know, it'll pause, you know, or if there's an embedded video in there, you just play it. And each module is about 90 minutes each. But if you just get through those modules, just in the class, you can answer questions, or you can make it play continuously for longer, uh, you know, than a page. So you can have maybe one to two pages or three pages or whatever it may be. And um, it just goes right through it for you. Um, you'll really literally don't have to do anything. It'll even play the embedded videos automatically so that um, it's it's very user-friendly. There's um, a digital book online, which you can print out, but we also, it's a 120-page book that has all the summaries of the material and all the graphics and everything. It's all free, but if you want to buy the the bound and paper version of that, it'll cost you six dollars and fifty cents. That's not too so, bad. Um, oh, for a hundred twenty page book. <laughs> it really is. Amen. Yes. They say we're not making any whopping profit. Oh. Of that. <laughs> uh, it's a good investment in the future. <laughs> That's right. Investment in the future. Yes. That's what we're all about. Yeah. Yeah, but I like the, you know that that idea of a, a huge, a very wide ranging body of of evidence being provided really resonates with, with me because uh, one of the things, uh, kind of referring back to the critique of modern atheism, uh, my impression is that uh, maybe one reason that the atheism is so attractive now is that it's almost all kind of just. Um, uh, it's it's not a wide ranging body of evidence. Uh, it's it's in fact very uh, kind of shallow and and uh, built on uh, assumptions and labels and even mockery of of uh, you know the traditional understandings uh, oftentimes. And it's uh, 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 the only way to perhaps convince these uh, young people. Is to offer um, you know a multi-point ap- uh, approach uh, to uh, the value of 
of faith and reason and science and religion? Yeah, exactly, and, and uh, um, that, that's exactly the point. And so, um, you know, uh, I have to tell you, the multi-point approach, um, you know, it's like uh, John Henry Cardinal Newman uh, had this wonderful thing called an informal inference, and what he just said is, look, faith is not grounded on one set of, you know, evidence alone. It, it's grounded on about 20 different sets of independently validatable evidence. Wow. So you've got some proofs for the existence of God, you've got some scientific evidence directly for an intelligent creation, you have all the evidence of, of a transphysical soul from near-death experiences, you get all this evidence for the resurrection of Jesus emblazoned on the Shroud of Turin, you have all these miracles concerned with Mary, with the saints, with Eucharistic miracles that have been scientifically validated etc. You have all that stuff right and what you do and he says look when you put together you know a, a variety of independently uh, you know validatable um, uh, scientifically uh, validatable um, sets of evidence it really forms the basis for a very solid judgment yeah. that yeah you can be a very scientific reasonable person right. and have a ton of evidence for God, for Jesus Christ, even for the church itself. And so that's the point. And by the way, the approach itself has led to 97% positive and very positive rankings by the kids who've been beta tested Excellent. in Austin, Texas, in New York, and in Los Angeles. 97% rated positive and very positive for fending off doubts, maintaining and defending their faith. So that's a huge deal. I yes. mean, this is the kids. We don't coach them. You know, they take it, their little um, surveys online completely anonymously, and we don't know who said what at all, and they can you know, as far as we're concerned, uh, we just accumulate the data, or the computer accumulates the data, and, um, you know, very, very objectively. And most of them say they are, they actually feel not only that they have much more evidence for their faith, but they are much better prepared to defend their faith to others. Very nice. Yeah, well, and that's key, isn't it? Yeah. That, uh, yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't just stop with each individual. We all have that missionary discipleship uh, mission, once we've learned it and grasped it, we should share it with others. Uh, and uh, yeah, you have to have that full body of wisdom, uh, knowledge to, to, to share. Uh, and it also reminds me of uh, something that I just became familiar with in the last few weeks uh, because uh, a group called uh, the um, uh, Ratzinger uh, Pope Benedict Vatican Foundation uh, apparently has started giving awards for something they call uh, expanded reason. And uh, I had not heard that term before. I guess the whole point is that uh, today's approach to reason is just so <laughs> rationalistic and so positivistic uh, and, and uh, mani perhaps manipulatable because it, it, it doesn't look at the big picture. Is is that uh, is the church realizing that um, it's time to evangelize on the basis of, of expanded reason? Well, yeah. I mean, 
the church has been doing it, frankly, for years. Uh. And you know, we, you know, let's face it, scientism has been around since you know the the, the Vienna Circle and the and the whole school of positivism going back to the beginning of the 20th century. Yeah. So I mean, you're dealing with like 1901. These guys are coming to the you know to this country from Europe, and they they're basically making an invalid uh, uh, supposition from the very beginning. They, they're saying all scientific, uh, I mean, all truths uh, must be scientific truths. The only valid truths are those that are scientific. Yeah. Well, that statement itself, the only truth is, is scientific. That cannot be validated by science because science is empirical. It has to be validated by observational evidence, and it never can uh, give you evidence for a universal. A universal means an all or an only or a none. Right. So when you when you have those three words, that's not, it's not possible to, to use uh, those words and, and prove it scientifically because the only kind of scientific proof is observational data, which can never, you know, talk about only or all or none. It talks about some and this one and that one that has been observed. So you basically have a, a self-refuting proposition. Now, this goes all the way back to 1901. So uh, the church has wrestled with this, pointed these things out again and again, and then we've been doing expanded reason, frankly, for centuries. Interesting, uh huh. Yeah, and uh, really right. <laughs> we have to uh, we have to recatechize and and remind Catholics and non-Catholics alike that uh, that this is not uh, some kind of new approach uh, invented by the Vatican or something. It's uh, that's right. Time, exactly. time I mean, tested. Yeah. Has been, uh, I mean, it's the complaint of the whole philosophical community. One time, I was, you know, having a little, uh, uh, shall we call it, an animated discussion on uh-huh. Larry King's show. I remember that. Stephen Hawking, Leonard Mladenov, and Deepak right. Chopra. Wow. And, and one of the things that the contentions that came up, uh, you know, during the show, uh, you know, was, you know, Stephen's um, uh, contention. You know, in his book, The Grand Design, that, that somehow science had replaced philosophy. Uh. Well, science can't replace philosophy because, as I just said, scientific truths all have to be grounded in observational data. Yeah. And, of course, there are a million other truths, you know, like in mathematics. Mathematics is not science. Mathematics is a completely different discipline that's based, you know, on axioms and so forth. Metaphysics logic, none of those things, which is which are all embraced by philosophy, are, are not embraced by science, so the proposition from the very beginning is crazy. That's so so when we're dealing with it again and again and again, where, you know, people try to narrow down the whole range of validatable truths to those that are scientific or observational or whatever, and of course, it's a self-refuting proposition from the very very stark. Amazing, yeah. And then, lastly, the the uh, the other paradox or or contradiction that I think I see out there uh, now more than ever is that at the same time that so much of our culture and unfortunately too much of our uh, educational system is dumbing down uh, this interaction between faith and reason and science and 
and religion and, and all. Um, the, uh, there, there is a strong and growing community, uh, of Catholic scientists, in fact, and of other people, uh, perhaps, right? That they realize that, hey, you know, yeah, there's, there's reason to look for synergies here rather than to look for the division between these qualities. Young people are challenged and, you know, they're presented first with this uh, uh, compatibility. And then if they're challenged to apply uh, both faith and reason uh, to the real interesting scientific advancements and challenges that we're going to be confronting and already are confronting as a, as a world, everything from artificial intelligence to... Uh, you know, uh, uh, global change. Uh, there, there are huge issues that we kind of inherently admit uh, we we obviously are not handling very well by science alone. Is is there uh, maybe that's one source of hope that we're going to realize? Hey, we need to bring to bear every uh, intellectual and faith resource in order to just make sure that we're not going off the tracks in some very bad way. Yeah. Well, I mean, artificial intelligence will probably reach its limit intrinsically. Really? Because, yeah, it, it really, um, you know, to talk about a truly creative artificial intelligence is, you know, it's, it's not really happening. Uh, there are obviously very, very fast-paced computers that process all kinds of algorithms in remarkable ways with remarkable degrees of complexity and programming. No question about that. But really, the idea of discovering a new mathematical theorem or a new scientific uh, theorem uh, through a computer alone without, you know, literally the, a human being giving it every step of the process, yes. um, that isn't going to happen. And, you know, there was a, a, you know, a mathematician named Kurt Gettle, um, oh. you know, uh, uh, um, who actually had a proof. It was a, you know, an incompleteness theorem, but... But essentially what it shows is that um, algorithmically based programmable intelligence uh, can never come to mathematical solutions and creative discoveries right. in the same way that human intelligence does. And, there, and in fact, speaking of Stephen Barr, there's a, a nice little proof of that. 
Stephen Barr's book called um, um, Modern Physics and Ancient Faith. And if people like that uh, uh, book, it's Notre Dame University Press. Indeed. It's about 10 years ago. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard it really raved about, that it's a really great book. Yeah, yeah, it's a great book, and um, uh, that might be something to start with. There's a nice little section on there on Gettle's proof, and and I think that there's, you're probably going to reach an intrinsic limit uh, to you know what um, the create the creative level uh, that computers can get to. The other thing, of course, is computers do not love in the sense that we do. Yeah. they do not um, have a sense of goodness or a, a sense of conscience or a sense of justice yeah. uh, like we do. They, they don't have a sense of aesthetics or beauty like we do, and they certainly don't have a sense of spirituality, God, or transcendence right. that we do. And so when you get right down to it, uh, they lack all the major transcendental desires and awareness. I mean, computers are just really pretty, you know, flat. Now, they are quick, but uh, yeah. in terms of having the breadth of, you know, uh, you know, beauty and, and, and aesthetics and spirituality and, and, and religion and, and conscience and, and, and goodness and, and, and the sense of, of love and empathy, um, you know, as, as they say in New York, forget about it. <laughs> right. You know, they, they just, it's just not going to happen. So, um, and moreover, they're not ever going to be creative in mathematics or metaphysics or logic in the way that we are. Yes, the application of the equations or the logical formulae that we give them, give them yes, they could be incredibly rapid and quick, etc. But in terms of breadth and depth, uh, as they say, forget about it. That well, yeah. And if students truly want to be uh, both uh, creative and uh, entrepreneurial, as well as to have their inherent demands, uh, those uh, those demands cited by uh, uh, Saint Augustine, right? Uh, the uh, you know that uh, that God-sized hole in our hearts that where that needs exactly. to be filled, right? If they're looking for goodness, yeah. justice, and beauty. They're going to wind up looking for something beyond science anyway. Um, oh, absolutely. In fact, there's a wonderful poll or survey that was done by the American Psychiatric Association uh, a while back in, um, in 2004. <clears throat> this uh, Dr. Kanita Dervik and 10 other psychiatrists did a very, um, you know, um, uh, long-standing, I think it was 11 years of study or something, um, and they uh, published it in the American Psychiatric Association. It's free online, by the way. Oh. Uh, just put um, uh, suicide rates and non-religious affiliation into Google, and you can get this uh, free of charge. But anyway, wow. uh, they did this poll, and what did they find? Mm -hmm. They found that non-religiously affiliated people by comparison with religiously affiliated people. So these are the non-religiously affiliated people right. had much higher suicide rates, oh much God. higher suicide attempts, much higher depression and malaise, much higher impulsivity, much higher aggressivity, wow. much higher substance abuse, much higher familial tensions than the religiously affiliated comparable group. Now, if you look at that and you get all the other factors out, so you have just as many people from economic 
you know, level one and, and economically level two, economic level two, three, four, five, you know, and you got as many people from the religiously affiliated, non-religiously affiliated uh, groups in there for not just that, but educational background, same thing. You can eliminate all these other possible causes. And when you've got to sort of narrow down to religious affiliation versus non-religious affiliated, boy, I'll tell you, the religiously affiliated people are much more fulfilled, much higher sense of dignity, destiny, and happiness, right? Much higher sense of, you know, uh, obligation, responsibility uh, to others, etc. I mean, there's just no question, you know, religion is needed to fill the God-sized hole in our hearts. Yes, yes. Well, so uh, closing up uh, this by looking forward then, uh, yeah, especially given that urgency that's implied in, in statistics like you just cited, um, it's, it's obvious that we need to take a number of steps, and one of them is very much uh, that, uh, that uh, website, the uh, Credible Catholic website. Uh, please, uh, give give our listeners um, uh, the uh, the URL for that again. Is it Credible Catholic? Sure. Yes. Yeah. CredibleCatholic.com. Put it in, in you know any search engine. Right. CredibleCatholic.com. And then it will t- uh, when you get to the site, just click on Seven Essential Modules. Okay. If there's a big red button right in front, just click on that. And you can download them to your computer. You can view them all by yourself free of charge. You can print out the digital book. And if you have a, uh, you know, if your diocese is interested in this, if you're a catechism teacher, uh, et cetera, or you're a, a confirmation teacher, a high school teacher, and you're interested in this, uh, just give us a call at the number right there on the website, and we will help you get in contact with your diocesan associate uh, who's in charge of that, uh, if we're already there in the diocese. If not, uh, we would sure appreciate your help in getting uh, into your diocese. But I think we actually are uh, starting to deploy right now. Uh, we're doing teacher trainings in Fort Wayne, uh, right in your... Um, Wonderful. Uh, nope. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, um, I'll try to find out more about that and be able to... Uh uh, direct listeners uh, directly to um, to a, a different, uh, more specific uh, resource, huh? Locally. Sure. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And I know that uh, at Notre Dame, uh, Dr. Cavadini and all, they, they, they have workshops that they're setting up for high school teachers uh, to, uh, and yeah. to get, yeah. Uh, and that makes sense too, I guess, just to get the science and religion teachers together in schools to make sure that they're not teaching uh, students in completely isolated silos that almost uh, instruct the students that these two things don't fit together. Absolutely, and so I do think we have to bring them together and and give the you know uh, the, you know the, the really rich treasures from both areas of faith, you know, and and science and and that openness that, that leads to the kind of idea of a university that John Henry Newman talked about. Ah, very good point. Yes, yeah. The the uh, the need is not new. The uh, the insight is not new. And the Catholic Church has a lot of that time tested uh, wisdom. Uh, and uh, uh, we can certainly point people to the Magister Center's website as well, right? The resources are. Uh, even more yeah, ample there, right? Resources. Yeah. And that's magiscenter.com. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, 
Thank you for being part of the answer to some pretty uh, sophisticated and challenging uh, and urgent problems uh, in, in how our society is approaching knowledge. Uh, and my pleasure, Bill, and happy to do it anytime. Thank you very much, Father. All the best in all of your all of your work. Thank you for your uh, being an instrument of the Holy Spirit in, in all of these matters. Yeah. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode or one of our previous episodes, please leave us a review on iTunes. iTunes is the biggest distributor of podcasts, and having reviews there will help us reach a wider audience. We would also love it if you posted your review on other services like Google Play and Stitcher as well.